Are you a financial professional wondering how to transition your clients from the accumulation to the distribution phase? How to engage individuals looking for a professional with true retirement income expertise? How to mutually develop a solution that resonates with them? Or how to grow your practice in a meaningful way that's based on best practices for financial planning? Then you've come to the right place. Sign up for our two-day masterclass for financial professionals hosted by Wade and Alex on January 23rd and 24th from 12 to 1.30 both days. Your future practice will thank you for it. Go to resaprofile.com slash masterclass. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, and swims like a fish, is it a platypus? I have no idea. But if you can provide annuities on a fee-only basis, anything is possible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Retire With Style. I'm Alex, and I'm here with... Wade. And we're excited this week to have another special guest. Uh, and this week, uh, somebody who's quite active in the space of fee-only or no-load annuities. Uh, and it's David Lau, the CEO and founder of DPL, which is a firm that focuses on providing that sort of value-added fee-only non-commission annuity, uh, both, as we've learned, direct to consumer, but primarily as well with working with registered investment advisors or financial advisors who traditionally have been more on the investment side of the financial services spectrum. Uh, so David, as we get started, could you just give us a little background about your career? And in particular, I want to touch upon going all the way back to your time in Japan, because we share that connection as well with how you've always been creating these types of companies that are really just providing that sort of value much more to the consumer compared to what had come before. <laughs> yeah, great. Thanks, guys. I'm you know really happy to be here. Always fun to talk to you guys. Uh, stimulating conversation. Hopefully, we'll educate and maybe get a couple laughs. So well, I'll, I'll um, change your mind before we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah. So dialing back, I mean, we don't. I don't know how far back we want to go, but I mean, my first job, which is a whole different podcast, was working with. Soviet and Russia, Soviet bloc defectors resettling in the U.S., but we can't oh, wow. talk about that uh, on the air. <laughs> um, the but my foray into financial services was that I was the chief marketing officer of the first internet bank in the country. It was called Telebank. We wound up merging with E-Trade. It became E-Trade Bank, and, and I was the chief marketing officer you know, at both places. And the concept of it was, you know, driving to that consumer value. And, and that's where it really resonated with me personally was that we looked at branches and just said, and this is back in the mid nineties. So, you know, imagine ATM machines are kind of a foreign concept to a lot of people, right? So we said a branch is just a really expensive way of selling and distributing commodity products. If we got rid of the branch and did business with consumers directly, we could provide a much better product. So we could we could provide rates on you know money market accounts, which were you know five times the national average, you know CD rates, which were always among the highest, if not the highest, rates in the in the country, uh, simply because we eliminated inefficiency and overhead in the distribution and servicing of the product. So that really resonated for me and it's kind of 
is kind of, uh, you know, what's informed my career. So I've used that thesis, you know, over and over again, which is how do you drive inefficiency out of, out of something in financial services in order to provide a better, con- you know, product to the consumer. So tying it into Japan, after I stayed a little bit at, at E-Trade, um, I got recruited by uh, Shinsei Bank through a former Goldman Sachs investment banker that had, had been with us at Telebank uh, to help build really the first internet banking strategy in Japan. So spent you know about eighteen months. Uh, more or less commuting back and forth from Washington, D.C. Uh, to Tokyo, learning about the Japanese banking market and, you know, in order to give, you know, Shinsei a, a, an internet banking strategy. So that was a, you know, super interesting thing. You, you, you forget that, you know, different different cultures, different countries have different financial systems, different ways of doing things. Uh, and that was a real education. You know, at the time, like there, there weren't even such things as credit cards or, you know, really mortgages, you know, in, in Japan. And that was, you know, quite shocking to learn. Um, you have something, Wade? Good. <laughs> well, no, I was just like, yeah, when I first got to Japan, I tried to open an account with Shinsei Bank, but actually I didn't yet have my foreigner registration card. So they, they didn't let me. I ended up with one of the local banks, but I, I was very much attracted to the Shinsei model if uh, things had worked out a little differently there. How about that? And, I, and I told them at the time to be careful of people without their <laughs> registration cards. Um, <laughs> so, but, but so after, you know, after doing the consulting thing, I also, you know, consulted for Merrill Lynch on building, you know, their, their direct bank, which is called, you know, beyond banking. Um, I really wanted to be an operator, not a not a consultant. It, you know, consulting, I just, I had some really cool projects, but ultimately wasn't, it wasn't kind of my gig. So I really wanted to get back on onto the business building side. And I rejoined uh, the founder of the bank who had started an insurance carrier, uh, originally focused on life insurance. So this is back in the early 2000s. Um, doing, you know, at a, at a company called Jefferson National, originally it was a life insurance carrier doing instant issue term life insurance online. You could apply and be bound online in like five to 10 minutes, which is still Bounds pretty- doesn't sound very- I know, I know. That's, that's <laughs> life insurance terminology. I don't like the bound, but you're signing a contract, so you're bound. Um but uh, you you could be you know have have a policy within five to ten minutes, which was pretty radical. But the idea was you by creating that efficiency that you could you know drive down pricing. But it didn't really work out that way because you know underwriting still wasn't quite good enough at at the time. So we sold that business off uh, and looked to get into the annuity business and in. Cr- Going into the annuity business, you said, okay, what is the big inefficiency? It's not bricks and mortar like it was in banking. The big inefficiency is commission. You know, so the commission and other distribution costs. So the, you know, the cost that the, the carrier is taking on to pay their wholesalers to, you know, kind of famously buy steak dinners, pay for sales trips, do advertising, name stadiums, things like that, all kind of gets, you know, baked into the pricing of the product. And if you can eliminate all that expense, you can provide, again, a much better product, you know, to the end consumer. The question is then, though, okay, who's going to care? So you can either go directly to the consumer because all the existing insurance 
brokers really want the commission, you know, that's the that's the double-edged sword. You you it, it harms the customer, but it's really good for the person who sells because the commissions are quite rich. So it, you could go direct to consumer or you can find a different different outlet. And so this is, you know, 2005, I identified the RA market as, you know, the market we'd go to, you know, kind of working with advisors who were fiduciaries who worked only on fees. Uh, and, you know, we just, you know, built a, a really good business there. I stayed there 10 years building, you know, Jefferson National before I realized I thought I had a better idea. Um, when we built the bank, we drove kind of systemic change in banking. Everybody had to start launching online access, bill payment, things like that. They, you know, Bank of America couldn't match our pricing, but they could bring our services out. Uh, in, in insurance, that didn't really so much happen. You know, some copycat products came out, but you didn't see the wide scale. You know, widespread, you know, manufacture of commission-free, no-load, you know, insurance products. So I thought thought the way to really drive that would be to do it from an independent platform. You know, kind of much like the way Schwab and Fidelity in the early days you know, created it. created no-load <laughs> mutual fund marketplaces. Yeah, you know, DPL is really no-load insurance marketplace. One one of the, yeah, the, the well, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Wade. Uh, one of the things I'd like to comment and bring it to the last couple, because we've been interviewing, obviously, folks are on an advisory board, and we, at a certain point, we'll, we'll sort of recognize that. But you're just on a good roll right now, so I'll let it go. But uh, <laughs> yes. but uh, it, one of the things that I, I, I just want to mention, you know, in our interviews with John Faustino, Bonnie, even Kelly, previous to, to yourself, David, one of the things that I want to make a point to, to, to bring out, and this is for the consumers that are listening in, is that there are a lot of great people in this industry that are trying to do good by the consumer. Listen, it, it's a commercial endeavor, so you know it, 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 there's nothing wrong with making a profit. But I, I, I want to bring to light that there is a, a number of good, good folks like yourself that are actually looking at the industry and are coming at it from how can we improve the consumer experience? How can we actually benefit them? It's not a zero-sum game by any means. And and, and I don't know. I, I feel the need to point that out because I, I think advisors sometimes are painted in a light that's, you know, less uh, nice, you know, if you will, than you see in, in real life. And I'm listening to your story and your entire career has been how can we sort of remove frictions and pass them on to folks. And that's I just right. wanted to point that out because I think that's actually quite an amazing journey and something of significance that you could look back on your career and, and say to yourself, not only did I do it, did it my way, I did it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, for me, that's super important. I've got to, you know, I've got to look at this mug in the mirror every morning and, and, you know, if I, I've got to be really comfortable. I'm, I'm somebody who, who really cares about that. And, you know, I, I think I'm good at what I do. So I, I'm, I'm sure I could be successful doing all kinds of things. Let but, us be the judge of that, please. I know, I know. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, I could be successful, you know, doing a lot of different things, course, but, you know, I really wanted to do things, you know, I want to do things that help people um, and through financial services because it is such a complex industry you know it really resonated with me at the bank like people 
pay too much, they get taken advantage of, they can have bad advice, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And so like, who can help people, you know, understand, help people get through some of the detail, the back, you know, the issues behind the scenes in product manufacturing uh, to really create better products. But like to your point, Alex, it's, it, there's lots of great people, but just like the rest of the media, you only, you hear about the bad ones all the time. You know, we're, we're going through this, you know, FTX, you know, blow up, you know, right now you, you hear about the greed and the bad ones because they're much better stories, but there, there are loads of people doing great things, uh, you, you know, for, for consumers and, and including, you know, both of you. Well, th- th- thank you for that. Uh, but, and, and go on, go on away. Well, uh, just kind of continuing with the biography there. Uh, so at Jefferson National, the idea was this, like a, a low cost investment only variable annuity for the tax deferral but not really much emphasis on the income. And I heard you mention you were thinking you had ideas about how this could all be done better. And, and that leads to your current endeavor. That was in, in 2014 when you created DPL. And I am wearing my DPL swag. I noticed that. I is. noticed that. And, <laughs> and I've got some really retro telebank gear on today. Oh, wow. uh, dusted off. But um, yeah, yeah, so... So again, I thought coming from instead of a single product manufacturer, the way to bring better value for the consumers would be to bring choice, you know, and, you know, we were a tiny carrier, so creating income products wasn't within our purview. So I thought if I create this platform and I launched, you know, officially started DPL at the end of 2014, but really got into it in 15. And it was with a very long view because you, you guys know with insurance carriers, they don't move quickly. So I knew I needed to spend time working with carriers to help them understand how to build and support these products, you know, before we could launch DPL. If they didn't build and support the products right, you know, it wasn't going to work. So I literally spent, you know, about three years almost, two and a half years, you know, consulting for carriers until we got enough products, you know, to kind of launch the, so, the platform that is DPL. How did that first phone call go? Like, yeah. hey, uh, this is David. I've got an idea. Yeah. You know how your business model that you're doing with commissions? Scratch that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. how, do you, how do you introduce that in a way that you keep them like listening? Like, well, it, go on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yes, all that you're doing is all wrong. Let me tell you why. Um, I, know I know you've had this company for 120 years, but you had, I've got yeah, a, Hello, Dave. <laughs> yes. Well, fortunately, so, I mean, I, I built a, a, you know, kind of a, enough of a reputation at, at Jefferson National that people knew, you know, knew who I was and what we did. Right. So, and, and this is a, this is the direction that all financial services are going. You know, it's moving away from commissions, moving away from transactional fees, you know, to low cost, transparent products. It's that's part of the reason I started DPL. It's happened everywhere, you know, most everywhere, anyhow, in financial <laughs> services. But insurance had gotten left behind. And in in my estimation, because, you know, they're they're 
bound to this commission distribution, but also from what I saw with other carriers as competitors, they didn't know what they were doing. So I thought, okay, I can help them. And so really I called a couple that I knew that were in the space, you know, prior to, you know, setting off to do this and got, you know, ter- terrific response. And literally the day I announced I was leaving Jefferson National, my phone rang from like three other carriers saying, hey, we're interested in doing this. So, you know, throughout the course of building DPL, I, I other than those kind of initial calls to let people know I was going to do it, I really haven't had to pick up the phone. Yeah, um, you did it with them in mind. You did it like almost like in unison with them, in concert. Ex- ex- exactly. You didn't, create, they, you didn't solve for something that a product problem that didn't exist. You kind of like did it hand in hand with them. Yes, I mean they they know this is a this is something that has to happen, right? Because like I said, it it's been happening elsewhere. You know, mutual funds we've moved from you know A shares to I shares long ago. I mean the you know the costs have been driven out of you know many areas of financial services to the betterment of the consumer. You know, to what we were talking about before, but it ha- just hasn't happened in insurance. And and just to put a dimension to it, I mean the the commissions within insurance, financial insurance products like you know, permanent life products or, or annuities are are very very generous to the to the seller. Sure. And we're we're talking you know maybe a hundred percent of the first year premium in permanent life products, you know maybe eight percent you know of uh, you know of premium in in annuity products. So I mean they're very significant. So it, taking them out of products is much better for the consumer. Really drives tremendous value. If you're looking for more personal advice. Please note that our show is sponsored by McLean Asset Management. Learn more at McLeanAM.com. That's M-C-L-E-A-N-A-M.com. McLean Asset Management is a wealth management firm where we help you design and implement the right retirement plan for you. And then maybe if there's any critique of that, if someone says, well, a commission is a one-time deal, uh, versus like a traditional advisory firm that may charge an ongoing percentage. I I think there's more to it than that as well. I've heard you talk about the idea of many of those commission-based annuities, they charge mortality and expense fees that are ongoing well beyond when the uh, commission would have (laughs) been fully funded, but it never, the, the expenses never stop. And that's right. That's that's right. So it it's really comes down to it, you give the you give the 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 client the choice, which is you know something I'm and I know you guys you know with uh, Risa are also you know very helpful in that you know giving clients choice, right? So this takes the compensation out of the product. Now the now the client, if they choose to, can pay an advisor for advice. You know if they want if they want advice, they can pay for advice, just like a mutual fund. You know there you don't have the the load or the twelve b one fee or any of that, you know, built into the product, you're getting basically a, a, you know, institutionally priced product. And if you want to pay for advice, you can pay for advice, but, you know, product, you know, comparing product to product, you know, taking the expense the distribution expense out, you know, you're going to get a better product when you eliminate the commissions. It doesn't mean that like opting for a commission, you know, product is the wrong thing that you'll, you'll, you know, pay less over time. It's just a different proposition and you're giving people options. Yeah, especially if the advisor is providing ongoing advice and in year five, maybe another type of annuity that, you know, could make more sense and they could transfer out of it or, or, or whatnot, you know, if they're providing this ongoing advice. So, well, the, yeah. And, and you want that ongoing advice. I mean, yeah, yeah, because. No, I, 
I'm trying to think of a situation where it does make sense. And there you go. Yeah, I mean, you you want ongoing advice, I think, unless you really know what you're doing, you understand the product, you know, just for selecting your investment options, knowing when to t- turn on income, you know, say, those kind of, you know, within the rest of your plan, that I'll kind say, of thing. I'll say it like this. If you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth and shave and wait files, not looking back at you in the mirror, then you need ongoing advice. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, expanding on this point a little bit, you know, with financial services being so siloed and traditionally there's the investment side and the insurance side, it seems like you've really found this niche where it's the the investment side, the RIA, Registered Investment Advisor, who's the, we're fee only, we are fiduciary, we're serving the client's interests. But for a long time, Annuities were not on the table for them because they're not able to accept commissions because they are fee only. And the whole argument that we're doing what's best for the consumer by taking insurance entirely out of the picture and having this incentivized kind of bias against insurance, it, it made it hard to be a true fiduciary. So could you comment a little bit on how now you've created the ability for a financial professional to really be able to offer a broader range of financial products and services by allowing yeah. for that fee-only model to apply more broadly. Yeah, and that was and that was definitely you know part of the you know the thoughts around again creating DPL is you know when I first heard about RIAs and you hear you know it was like the uh, like commercials you hear now like we do well when you do well you know or we sit on the same side of the table you, you're like absolutely that's what I'm looking for in an advisor but then you realize there's there's actually some conflicts in that fee as well and then you realize that insurance is a big one because they can't accept commissions, you know, either structurally and ethically can't accept commissions. Uh, so they forego, like you were saying, Wade, you know, an entire class of product, you know, insurance products that can be very helpful, you know, to clients in mitigating risk and generating income, doing all kinds of things you simply can't replicate with investments alone. Mm-hmm. So enabling advisors to give much more holistic advice uh, to their clients and not have to be you know limited to like investments alone i think is a really important thing and and to do that you know from that fiduciary point of view so that that's you know, I think a really good, you know, outcome, you know, for, you know, clients, you know, just enabling more advisors, more access points uh, for products that matter. I think, and I think that's a good segue. I know Alex has been itching to ask the question about, <laughs> yes, uh, David Lau is a member of the RISA advisory board. Oh, that's not and, the question uh, I was going to ask. Wait, that's not the question <laughs> you're going to ask. Gonna ask. <laughs> well, I, let me, I, I'll get to that one. There's just two points. The, the, the first one was the you do well and I do well, and I'll put, that, I'll put this to rest. Listen, whenever, whenever anyone tells you how, how generous they are or how nice they are by telling you, you do well, we do well, the tighter you should grab your wallet. <laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just yes. Let, let's, let, you know, come on, that's just marketing drill. Yeah. Uh, the next question I was really going to ask is if you guys had a podcast, would you be Lao and Fao or Fao and Lao? How would you, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> what would you go with here? I, I think you'd just go alphabetically, right? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Wade, you're out. Yeah, we've, we've been on panels together. <laughs> So it'd be Lao Fao and Wow. 
And when I did want to, I was hoping to get the title right for CEO and founder at DPL, but I, I realized you have a Google problem. There are a number of David Lau's out there that I, I hadn't really? realized. And at least with Fao, I don't run into that so much. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I got heckled um, at a golf event. Um, where you know they had a bunch of spectators there, and there's this particular heckle hole. And they said, "Don't let them know who you are because you'll get heckled." And so somebody let them know who I was, and then I started hearing, "There's a rabbi more famous than you." Um, so, which if you if you if you Google David Lau, yeah, the first thing to come up will be a rabbi. Yep. Really? Wow. It's Wikipedia page. We need yeah, to the heckle hole. Wow. I, I love that. I love that phrase. <laughs> Yes. I, would love, I would be like at home there. Uh, uh, but to Wade's point, but the, the more serious point was, listen, I, you've just heard uh, David speak here for a good 20 minutes about his, you know, his, his, his life's work, about how it is to bring this to the consumer and, and to bring these solutions to the consumer in a way that's cost effective, frankly. And we couldn't be happier than to bring Lau, you know, David, along with us on our RISA advisory board, simply because of the work that he's doing with annuities, this sort of approach where, listen, if you take this fiduciary standpoint and you have these fee-only annuities, there really is at this point no reason why annuities isn't an option for all business models within the advisory community. I mean, at, at this point, it's just because you don't want to see you know, that's you, right. I mean, that's the reality. You can say, oh, my business model doesn't allow it, which shouldn't be a reason anyways. But let's just say that was your reasoning. There are no excuses at, at, at this point. You just don't want to uh, hand over your heart. That's <laughs> it's just being obstinate. <laughs> you know, I'll email to right. Wade, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, from our standpoint, I mean, we couldn't be happier than to bring this kind of innovation and thinking and originality. To the, RISA, to the RISA advisory board where, you know, we're about bringing in all retirement income solutions, not just one set, but everything of which contractual income is a huge, you know, uh, proportion of. And so, you know, with David's thinking on this and where we're going with down this route, uh, you know, David's company and the RISA just go hand in hand. I mean, in, in terms of this movement that's coming down the pike and, you know, we, we throw in the word fiduciary a lot over the la course of the last few podcasts, but you get a sense of, of where we're coming from with this. And, you know, with that, I just want to say thank you, David, for going with us on this journey. I mean, really, you know, we're excited. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you know, honestly honored to be a part of it. I, I've told you guys all along as you, you guys have been working on this and developing it. I believe it's important and I, and I believe it, you know, Truthfully, I mean, you know, RISA is an important, uh, you know, development and innovation and advancement, you know, within financial services, you know, being able to, you know, I talk about this a lot too. retirement is relatively new problem. You know, yeah. for for financial advisors and and individuals, I mean, it wasn't so long ago people had pensions. You know, interest rates were robust. They've they've come back a little bit here, but I don't know how long they're going to stay like this. The the you know you had you know no doubts about social security. The duration of retirement wasn't all that long. You know, people were you could clip coupons from bonds and safely fund a retirement. You know, people didn't worry about it all that much you know n now that's definitely changed you're looking to plan for a you know 30 maybe 40 year retirement um you're doing it without a pension you're self-funding basically uh you know 
and how are you going to do that? And there, there's more than just using investments, right? Which is what traditionally advisors do. Uh, and advisors are really, you know, for the first time, I think just recently starting to really broaden their purview out of being just an investment manager or a money manager, as some people call themselves, into being planners and, you know, looking at retirement more seriously. And, you know, what RISA en enables them to do is actually ask their client, about how they want their, you know, retirement handled from an income perspective. And I think that's unprecedented. It's really important. Uh, it's, it's important if you're going to do right by your client. I say this a lot. If you, if you want to do the right thing for your client, it's a good place to start is by asking them what that might be. No, it's it's your phrase that I've I've kind of just taken it as my own at this point. I don't even give you credit. <laughs> it's, you know, fiduciary is when you're taking your client's best interest in mind, but how can you take client's best interest in mind when you don't ask them what their interest is. Yeah. You and, know, and, I mean, easy as that, right? Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, I've taken it, you know, even, you know, a little, you know, step forward from, from there and, you know, looking at like Bill Sharp, I, you, know, you saw, you know, I, I quote him, you know, the Nobel prize winner from an article, you know, with our mutual friend, Michael Finca, where he said, you know, he can, he hopes there's a day basically when people will present an option you know, when advisors will present their clients with an option, here's a, here's a plan with an annuity and without one. So I think not only do you have to ask, you also need to present options because this is again, an area where, you know, if, if someone's working with you as an advisor, they don't know how they, you know, they don't know how they want their money managed. They don't know how they might want their income. You need to present them with different options. options. That's right. And show them what's possible and not be biased towards one way or another and let and and have a dialogue about different options uh you know with your client and w without presenting options you know, you're you wind up with what what we hear about all the time here at dpl my clients are panicked you know, w you know the market's going down they all want to know how what's happening with their income well maybe your strategy is mismanaged to their psychology do you think yeah, about that and it goes both ways it's not the insurance guy selling insurance only or the investment guy selling investments only it's about finding What's the right starting point? I mean, that's ultimately where, where it's at. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know that's one of the things that's always a hot button for me. Everybody talks about these you know insurance and investments like they're binary decisions. Exactly, you know, it's it's all investments mm -hmm. or it's all insurance. No, it's not. It's it's actually some blend of them is probably the right answer. Um, you know, for most people, and it's not a binary, it's all about an annuity, it's all about investments. It's it's finding that blend, you know, that makes the most sense, you know, for the yeah, client. And there's this, I mean, this is just my own sort of frailties, you know, showing through, but sometimes I get the sense that if, if you if you have any inclination towards bringing up an as contractual income as a potential solution, I get the sense from other advisors that thinking is, well, you just don't understand the markets. Right. Yes. <laughs> and right. Like, and that's a battle that you've had is <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like I'm Mo Green. What do you mean? I don't understand the markets. No, you you know, it's one of these where it's like you just yeah. wanna like Oh, I don't want to curse on this podcast. Well, there's a, yeah, there's gonna be a number of advisors who when they first hear this idea of 
giving a choice to their client. There's, well, what's the choice? The, the investments are the way to go. The job of the advisor is to convince the client to, I remember seeing message board posts of like, the job of the advisor is to convince a client to be 100% stocks. It's, but, but, but part but of that implicit I, thing is that we don't know what we're talking about about the market because we don't understand yeah, the markets. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Go on, well, David. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, totally. And and and, uh, and I, I use this example when I'm talking about RISA all the time. And I don't know that you guys love it, but I I, I think it, it helps you know for me. When, when an advisor is managing a client's money, and they do, you know, a typical risk profile questionnaire. And it turns out you've got a 40-year-old who is extremely conservative and risk-averse and is allergic to losing money. You're bound to manage that client's money conservatively, even though yeah. in, in your intellect, you might think, oh, this person would be better off taking much more risk. They've got time for market cycles. You know, they're, they're going to be OK over time. But you have to manage their money conservatively because you ask them about their psychology, about you know, losing yeah. assets and things like that. And why doesn't that then apply to retirement income or, or other aspects? You know, it's not, again, the advisor to tell the client what's right. Um, it's, you know, it, it's about talking to the client. There are many things, as Wade points out, you know, that are, are, are right, you know, and some can be better for a client, you know, depending on their psychology. You can get to good outcomes in a lot of different ways. And, and frankly, I would make the case that incorporating an annuity can get you to a better outcome. Yeah, uh, yeah 100%. Look, it, it's it's whatever. It's it's. I mean, I heard the phrase somewhere. I don't. I forgot who it was, but we don't. The, the retirement income isn't always optimized on a spreadsheet. It's optimized with a balance of who the human is, what what the preferences are, and you go from there. It's not just a, a straight up Excel. But to your point, okay, if you really want to take it to that level, there's plenty of examples where an annuity, you know, within the overall asset base, will actually, from a numbers perspective, outperform. An investment only piece because risk pooling premium versus, you know, term premium or, or, or whatnot. So it's it's quite compatible and many times above and beyond. But that's beyond the the purpose of, of this podcast right now. This podcast, I want to talk trash a little bit. No, <laughs> uh, no, nah, nah, kidding. But what are some because consumers are, are listening in on this? What are some just because you go to somebody's office and you, you give this talk? We're not going to, you know, there's still going to be advisors that are going to say, yeah, David, I get it. But, you know, I'll call you, you know, one of these things where it's it's a it's a polite no, it's a smile, but it's a no. Ultimately, what are some of the objection handling comments that you have to listen to? And I think this is important because consumers can ask their advisors the same thing. Hey, what about an annuity? Right. And the advisor gives them some 10 second Heisman. You know, yes. the equivalent of the Heisman and, and they yep. go, oh, OK, and they move on. So what, what, are the, what are the kind of answers that that you listen to whenever you kind of make your, your pitch to an advisor, why they should consider it, but they, they kind of they, they don't quite get there? Are you a financial professional wondering how to transition your clients from the accumulation to the distribution phase? How to engage individuals looking for a professional with true retirement income expertise? How to mutually develop a solution? that resonates with them, or how to grow your practice in a meaningful way that's based on best practices for financial planning, then you've come to the right place. Sign up for our two-day masterclass for financial professionals hosted by Wade and Alex on January 23rd and 24th from 12 to 1.30 both days. Your future practice will thank you for it. 
Go to resaprofile.com slash masterclass. The, so I say, boy, I've been dealing with this for a long time. So I say a number, a number of things. Annuity, you know, one, I'll say annuities are controversial, you know, based on compensation type. You know, so for advisors who don't like commissions, they never liked annuities. It meant lost revenue. For people who liked commissions, they really liked them because they got paid quite handsomely. But where they've never been controversial is with academics and people who study retirement for a living. Um, the, you know, with you know people who are objective in looking at you know the value of an annuity, they're not controversial. So typically, the objections you know we get. Uh, when we're talking to advisors are mostly based on misconceptions. I, I, I can't actually recall people objecting to the actual products and the actual numbers and, and, and after actual review, it's mostly you know, about, well, you know, my client doesn't want to lose all their money to the insurance carrier. They don't want to turn over all their money. It's like, well, that's only with a couple of products. You know, you know, that that might be the case. You know, most people don't do that. Um, you know, what happens if the insurance carrier goes under? It's like, well, if the insurance carrier goes under, there's going to be a lot of problems in your portfolio. There's going to be, well, there's, there's going to be, you know, insurance companies are, you know, incredibly well capitalized and monitored and all, all that stuff. If, if they're having issues, it's, you know, it, it particularly, you know, major national carriers. Yeah, it's also, what's the um, alternative? Right. So, I mean, everything's got risk. An insurance carrier actually presents, you know, pretty minimal risk. Um, but it, it, to, just to get to the question, it's, it's just a lot of, you know, misconceptions you know, about annuities. They're, in- they're complex. They're expensive. They're, you know, there's, it's always like some blend of, you know, some Frankenstein <laughs> annuity. It's not... I'm objecting to this product because of this. It's it's it's, it's mostly the concept, and and it's mostly because those advisors could never get paid or make money. They actually lost money on annuities. Okay, how many of them tell you point blank, "Hey, this doesn't align with my business model," or I already and as stupid as it sounds, I I, I think it hit it hits hard, right? Advisors are human beings. They're trying to build up their business. They yep. like to systematize. They like to keep keep things efficient. And yep. it could be as easy as I don't want to consider them because I already have like my presentation down pat. And oh. I already have my messaging down pat. And I don't want to change that. I, I, it sounds so yep. stupid for me to say something like that. But, oh. you know, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. is not stu- it is not <laughs> stupid like, at it, 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 all. I just don't want to change my messaging anymore, even though it's better. It, it's is that – is that – Oh, absolutely. I mean, whether it's the messaging or the process, I mean, just the inertia of like, <laughs> exactly. I've always done things this way. I mean, you, know, it, you can show them, I mean, literally a quote from an advisor, you're showing you know, them a massively better outcome you know, for a client. He's like, but that's going to take some paperwork, right? I mean, it's like... <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, yes, yeah, so that'll require a little paperwork, but you know, your client is going to be super happy. But it, but it is that inertia of this, you know, I've always done things this way. But, and again, people tend as human beings, we tend to, you know, focus on the short term rather than the long term. Because actually the long, t- if you've ever, and you know, Alex, you're an advisor. If you ever looked at the process for generating income out of a portfolio that you're going to have to constantly do over and over and over again, uh, you know, for a client, it's 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 one very complex, filled with execution risk, you know, and is you know often very manually intensive. Uh, if 
the use of an annuity to generate income is actually going to make your operations as an advisor a lot more efficient down the road when it comes to you know when it comes to managing clients' retirement. No, I I, I, don't, I don't I agree 100%. I just want again I'm trying to think okay there's some consumers that are listening in and sometimes consumers may not want to ask their advisor about what they're listening to right now or if they do you know I want to kind of make them informed if right. they do bring it up to their advisors yeah. that if the, the advisor can't just wave their and, magic wand and say yeah not really because blah 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 you'd be yeah. hard 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 pressed to find the, a reason why that shouldn't be in consideration yeah I, so, I mean i i so i've struggled with this question which is ultimately kind of a little bit what you're getting to you know for a long time since i was at jefferson national if we went direct to consumer trying to drive consumers like in a prescription drug kind of model you do advertising you say hey if you want this go talk to your advisor about kind it of, go talk yeah. to your doctor right <laughs> but the thing with annuities and, and financial advisors is the advisor would just say oh you don't want that you know and and the consumer, it's hard to arm them with the one question that says, you know, how do I question my advisor? They're just going to defer to the advisor. You know, so it, it's a really hard thing to do. The closest thing ever, I'm telling you, is probably the RISA. So for, yeah. the, so for the consumer, it would, to me, it would be two things. Number one is go through the RISA. See if an annuity is right for you. See if it matches up to what, to what you're looking for you know, in retirement. If, if it is, then number one, that's a great thing to have a discussion with your advisor about if you're using an advisor, say here, you know, here's, here's what I want. You know, can you give me a solution? If they say they can't or they try to talk you out of it, find a different advisor because somebody will. Right, because somebody will want to match what you want, and somebody is not going to be biased against annuities or something like that. And I mean, that's that's the you know the best thing no, I can uh, come up with for it is if somebody tells you no, you you don't actually want what you want. I mean, they're 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 trying to sell you something different. Yeah, it's hard not to make a, a, an academic case, an empirical case on Excel, uh, uh, on a even a, a case from an emotional standpoint, why there isn't some sort of room for this, if this is how you prefer to source retirement income. You can also do what Wade does to me. When Wade doesn't approve of something I say or he's, he's in disagreement, <laughs> he just keeps on asking me why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he asked me like, by the fifth why I give in, or, <laughs> you know. Or, you, or if you, or, or the other, the other tactic I've, I've taken to recently, Wade, is you know going back to the Japanese days, and is just to nod, nod, looking like you're agreeing. And in Japan, that just means I heard you. I heard you. It's like not I agree with you. You're just nodding to say yeah. I acknowledge. I heard what you said. Yep. So what are what consumers, what, you know, what, let's say not everyone has an advisor, right? And this is something of interest. I've always, and I, I don't know enough about this. You know this. This is kind of your, your expertise here from frictions and stuff like that. I always thought, you know, someone can, can sign up for a model portfolio, no problem online, right? Because yep. it's, you know, open up an application, boom, and they're, they're buying, you know, they're affecting a trade. I think that's much tougher with an annuity because it's a contract. And so in my view, once you go into the realm of, actually doing a contract it's not something you can just bang it out in two minutes online maybe you're i'm I'm willing to be wrong i'm willing to use tell me no alex that's not really the case and that's fine but what are the challenges that are presented to a direct to consumer annuity transaction and are you doing anything for that 
Yeah, there's a, so there's a number of things. One one is like, and again, one of the emphases I had in building DPL. How do you compare? Like, so let's start with the notion that okay, I, I do want contractually guaranteed income. I, I so I kind of want an annuity. Well, how do I find the right one? You know, if you just go to a broker, they're just going to talk to you about, okay, this is kind of my favorite product. They're going to give you the product with the best sales story. Oh, it's got this cool little feature that does this when that happens. Uh, and that that's all you get, right? So we built technology. We've got tools, you know, consumers can access them, you know, on, on our website. Just just register at the website, you know, dplfp.com. Can you put that uh, and- in the show notes? Put it in the show notes. Sure. DPLFP.com. You can go to our tools and, and we've got any number of tools you can look at. You can compare annuities to fixed income, which is one of my favorite to show you where if you're going to replace some portion of your fixed income portfolio with an annuity, how much more efficient that income that is. Basically, I talk about it as we, we, we take like Wade's research and put it to practical, you know, practical use and practical application within this tool, you know, showing you where, you know, how an annuity can be more more efficient than, than bonds, for example. You know, we also give you an annuity comparison calculator. You want to, if you own an existing annuity, you want to compare and see if one of these you know, new versions of annuities is better. You know, we can let you look it up really, you know, quickly and easily do a comparison, or you just want guaranteed income. Our tool just, you know, we have a guaranteed income tool. We don't care what kind of product it is from whom we're just saying, give us a couple data points about who you are, when you want the income to start, and we'll tell you which product products are most efficient about you know, generating that income. And you're doing this on a fee basis, on a fee-only basis. Correct, correct, and there and there's there's no fees here for, you know for the consumer. You know you're gonna get the you know we we don't charge you know any you know the consumers anything. You know you can access for free. You can you know you know buy these products. Everything you see in the product costs is what you pay. Um, you know it, it is what it is. So there's there's nothing extra you know for the consumers there. We do charge advisors. So thank we, you for we, that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that privilege. Yes. Um, Advisors need more help. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. No, man. That that was great. I mean, I I think uh, I think we've accomplished what we wanted to do, which is really let advisors know that listen, there's a movement coming, and the reality is, uh, I think I said this in, in the last few podcasts, but you can't stop an idea whose time has come. And this is Exhibit A. And for consumers, listen, there's there's options out there right now on a non-commission basis that annuities are available. And so at this point, if this is something that reflects your preference, you should be able to pursue that, you know, full stop. Wait. Yeah, and Alex, and for advisors who've been using the Reese as well, I don't know how many times we've heard from advisors at this point who said, oh, yeah. traditionally, I was the investments only advisor, but I realize now I need to expand my business. How in the world am I supposed to do that? And our answer is generally, well, there's options out there. And and David, you're primarily the the main option that is available to an advisor looking to expand beyond just investments only. So if you have any further comments on that, what can advisors do to learn more? 
Yeah, it's so I mean, it's so good. We've got a whole team of consultants that, you know, can, you know, work with advisors, as Alex was pointing out. I mean, this is this, you know, this can involve a business change, you know, for an advisor. You got to know how the processes are going to work now. How you know, how are you going to get paid? What do the data fees look like? You know, how do I do reporting and and all that? So we, we've got consultants that can help. You know, you can call in, you know, go to dplfp.com, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we support advisors, you know, all the time. But this, this, you know, we really love the RISA because it's, it's, it's a crutch for the advisor too, right? I mean, like I was saying, so, you know, earlier. But the kind of crutch that helps. The kind of, <laughs> totally. The kind of crutch that helps because so many advisors, they, the, Part of what they look for from us is how do I talk to my client about this? How do I start bringing yeah, this up? I never right. talked about this before. And now having a device, you know, like the RISA that helps identify what the client's looking for, it also gives a great way for the advisor to engage in that conversation, you know, with the client about, you know, about their investments and about their retirement. Um, so, you know, that's something we like to put forward. So we'll, we'll support it with human help. We put out the RISA, we give the tools to help find the best products we integrate into the rest of the practice so we kind of you know look to you know handle you know this from soup to nuts for everyone i think this is great like i said wait is right we've gotten a lot of advisors at this point come up to us saying it's largely been a total return shop how do we expand our offering and we just point to dpl because that's we're not in the business of of that uh you know that's that's where you come in in fact i think I sent somebody to Tim just last week. So, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to, mm-hmm. you know, knocking this out within the industry with, you know, in full force. So uh, thank you again for, for deciding to go with us on this uh, journey. And uh, what can I say other, other than thank you again? I got no other oh, words. <laughs> yeah, happy, happy to. I'm you know, a huge supporter of you guys and the RISA and, and you know, a major believer in it. It's, it's an important thing. Advisors, consumers both need to be checking it out. Uh, it, it's it's a terrific device and you guys are to be commended for, for the development well, of it. Thank you. And then the last point, how did it feel to be interviewed by Wade as opposed to you interviewing <laughs> Wade? <laughs> it's, def- it's, it's definitely it's turning the tables, but you know, I, it, it's, it's great. He did a good job. He's, there's a future there, Alex. So There you go, Wade. <laughs> yeah, Late wanna, Night TV is coming next. <laughs> yeah, you want to take us home, Wade? Thank you, everyone. I'll say my goodbyes. Wade? Yep, thanks, David. Thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you next week on Retire with Style. Thanks, guys. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.